Well, good morning, good morning. Trust that everybody is uh, doing well and you are enjoying your, um, your Labor Day weekend. And uh, this morning, we start a brand new series called um, Do One Thing. And um, when we talk about kind of this idea of do one thing, it's actually, we, we kind of got the idea, um, actually I got the idea from, uh, Tanya introduced me to a website called um, Do One Thing. That's really the website, Do One Thing. And it's an emergency preparedness website. And uh, the idea is, is that um, they kind of give you an assignment every month, just do one thing. Um, and after 12 months, you should have a pretty decent emergency preparedness plan. For instance, they'll say, hey, we just want you to focus on, in September, we just want you to focus on getting 72 plus hours of water in your home. That's all we want you to do for the month. Now, obviously, you can do more, but they just simply say, just do this thing, get water in your home, just in case something happens, you can, um, you'll have water in your home. The next month, you're focusing on shelter. That's all you're doing in that month is shelter and uh, knowing where to go and, uh, and, and how to get, uh, get, get, get to a safe place if an emergency happens. So you do 12 months of that, and by the time you get to the end of the month, you have literally a pretty decent preparedness plan. And so, so I started thinking, like, like, what would it look like if we just simply did one thing per month, focused on one thing per month that actually helped us to become better followers of Jesus, to walk with Jesus more closely. Not 50 things, not 100 things, but just one thing, focusing on one thing per month that draws us closer to Jesus. Hence, the concept, one thing, do one thing, and the, and the idea of identity. So the month of September, we're going to focus on identity, who we are as Christians, who you are as a Christ follower. Listen, we are so excited about you taking your next step on your adventure with Jesus, we wanna, we wanna facilitate that. We wanna help facilitate that. We wanna encourage you. We wanna challenge you to take your next step, whatever your next step might be. In fact, our goal for this ministry year, which really begins today, is for 600 Trinity adventurers, which, some, which that would include you, would just simply take your next step. Whatever that might be. If, it, if you are a follower of Jesus and never been baptized before, then, uh, then baptism is your next step. If you are a follower of Jesus and you're connected to this church and you've never given, then your next step might be to begin giving. If you are part of Trinity Church and you're not connected to any kind of ministry, your next step might be getting connected to a ministry. And so the idea is, is for all of us to take our next step. The truth is, everyone is someplace on the spiritual continuum. You're someplace, I'm someplace, we're not all in the same place. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing embarrassing about that. Some people say, well, I'm not like where they are, and I'm not like where they are. It's really okay. The key is for you and I to take our next step, whatever that might be. So hence this idea of do 
one thing. This month, we're focusing on identity. Next month, we're going to focus on Bible engagement. Following month, we're going to focus on, on prayer. How do we take our next steps? So that's kind of the idea behind where, um, where, we're, where we're going. And so today, we're going to kind of kick this off with, with something very, very simple. Very, very simple. And so, if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. So, if you're looking on, if you don't have your own Bible, if you don't have a Bible on your phone, turn with, um, you can, there's a, there's a Bible in the rack in front of you. Uh, get the Bible. The verse is, the verse is going to be on the screen, but I want you to actually see what's in scripture. Page 902, if you're looking on the Bible Uh, that the church provides. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, page 902, 902. And um, and so I want to give the context of this passage first. I want to give the context so you and I will know what we're, what we're talking about. So the book of Acts is written by this dude named Luke. He also wrote the book of Luke. So they are like a two-volume series, and Luke is the first, uh, the first movie, if you will, and Acts is the sequel. That's kind of the idea. So, so God tells, Jesus tells the, his followers in Acts chapter 1, hey, I'm going to empower you, and I want you to go, and I want you to take the gospel to all the world. I want you to take it to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so they get comfortable in Jerusalem. As they get comfortable in Jerusalem, they, um, persecution happens. That is, people are being um, uh, kind of ridiculed, persecuted for their faith, being killed for their faith, being, they're suffering for their faith, and then they scatter. They scatter to places like Cyrene and Cyprus and what we're talking about today. They scatter to this place called Antioch. Now, I'm going to get to that in a few minutes, but I want to start, I want to ask a question because this question is super important as we go forward. So, how many of you know what your name means? Like you, like you know what your name means. Your name and you know the meaning behind it. So, so uh, what's your name? What, your, what does your name mean? Right here. Loyalty and strength. I love that. I love that. Somebody else, you know what your name, what's your name, and then what does it mean? Just, if you don't mind, just stand up and, and yell it out. Everybody will be able to hear you. So what, what is your, what's your name mean? Victory. What's your name? Nicole, right? Yeah, Nicole, and it means victory. I love that. I love that. Somebody else, just, just what, what is your name? Back here in the back. Shogun? Oh, Sh- Sheldon. And what, is your, what does it mean? God is for me. I thought you said Shogun. I was like, man, that's a cool name. It's a very cool name. Back here in the back. Yes. What is it? Lucas, and what does it mean? Okay, so, uh, you're the dad. You can you can. Okay, your dad told you, but you don't remember. All right. <laughs> All right, so somebody else, just take a couple more. What does your name mean? What is your name, and then what does it mean? Lissette, and it means devoted to God. I've never, heard, I've never met anybody named Lissette. That's a very beautiful name. All right, let's take one more right here. Noble. You think it's noble or you know it's noble? 
You know it's noble. All right, all right. Because, uh, you, like, like, we can say this is what my name means, and then we can give ourselves a cool name, right? But noble, okay, very cool. My name, my name is Marvin, and my name means friend. And that's, that's, I, um, that's, that's, that's it. So it's, it's very interesting. So here's another question. How many of you have, um, you were given a nickname, and tell me what that nickname is, if it is appropriate? If it's appropriate, yes. What is it? Pelly? Bella Telly. What is that? What is that? Oh, you don't know. Bella Telly. That's, that's her nickname. Yes. Sweet P. Did you give your, yourself that or somebody gave it? Oh, your dad gave it to you. Very, very nice. Other, other nicknames. Yes. Jackie Boy. What's up, Jackie Boy? I like that. I like that. Right back here. Junebug. All right, Alan? Goody? Goody. All right, all right. So, so I, I, when I was growing up, um, they called me, uh, they, it, was a, it was kind of a negative nickname. They called me Chinaman because my slanted eyes. And I, I, I didn't like that name per se, but, uh, but I, I gladly take it now. I gladly take it now. The reason why this is important is because... We're going to be introduced to a name today. We're going to be introduced to a name, and that's a very important name for everybody in this room that says they follow Jesus. So, Christians, believers were persecuted. They got comfortable, or they got comfortable, they, got per- they were persecuted. They ended up in places like Cyrene, Cyprus, and Antioch city that we're going to talk about today. So let me give you a little bit more of the context, is that, that Antioch was an amazing city. It's an um, amazing city. It was, um, it, uh, four, the, the main road was four miles long, all marble. There were colonnades on each side. It's a cosmopolitan kind of um, city. Um, it was diverse, but it was also wicked. They, they gambled and they um, there were all kinds of uh, crazy things that were happening in the city. It was a wicked city, but it was a diverse city. It was a cosmopolitan city. It was about a half million people in this, uh, in this particular city. Um, it was a busy port town where individuals came from literally all over the world. It's the first city, first city that actually had street lights at night. I wonder if the kids had to be home before they came on, so... Some of you have picked that up when you're on your way home. So we had to be home. When we were growing up, we had to be home before the streetlights came on. So this was the first city that had streetlights uh, in, uh, in the Roman Empire. Um, it, was, it was considered, the, um, as, as uh, an archaeologist by the name of, his last name is Keslow, um, considered the New York or the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire. It was that wicked. It was that busy, it was that diverse, it was that cosmopolitan. So the Christians that were scattered um, when this guy named Stephen was stoned, stoned for his faith, he was persecuted, he was stoned and killed, and as a result, Christians were scattered, and some of the Christians ended up in Antioch, and they brought their faith with them. They brought their love for Jesus with them. They brought who they were with them. And so, here's the, 
Here's the reading. I'm going to read from uh, verses chapter 11, verse 19 through, uh, through 26. This is what it says. Now these, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were, there were some of them, um, some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, uh, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of them, uh, a great number who believed, turned to the Lord. The report, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch when he came and saw the grace of God. He was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord, uh, faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus uh, to look for Saul, Saul who later became Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. So they're discipling them at this point. And in Antioch, the disciples, here it is, were first called Christians. First time the word Christian is ever used, and we see it right here. They're called Christians. They were called Christians not by themselves. They didn't call themselves Christians. Non-believers called them Christians. So we have to ask the question. We have to ask the question, what, what in the world does Christian mean? I believe this, the word Christian, the concept Christian has been hijacked. The word and the concept Christian is no, long, no longer means what it meant back then. So we have to ask the question, what does it mean? So here, here's, the, here's the idea. The word Christ, we're going to break the word apart. The word Christ is, just simply means that. It means Christ. He is the, um, the one who is um, the one who was born of a virgin, the one who died for our sins, lived a, lived, a perfect, uh, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, buried in a grave, and rose again. And everyone who believes in him, they actually become his followers. And so Christ, that's the, the Christ, in the, that's the first part of Christian. Now the I-N or the E-N actually is the most interesting part of the term Christian. So here's, here's three things that the, this, this meant. And the first is it meant the party of Christ. It was a political term. It's a Latin term, a Latin suffix that was tacked on to Christ and um, in the Roman Empire, the I-A-N typically was a political term. And so the idea is people who were not believers looked at these disciples and say, you must belong to the party of Christ. He is the leader of your political party. That's the concept. He's the leader of your political party. So you are called Christians. So they're first called 
Christians, that is the party of Christ, someone associated with Christ. So that's the first thing. The second thing is Christian, the I-A-N, meant followers of the leader of that party. So they were considered, uh, they were considered, Jesus was, cons- Jesus was considered the leader of this group, this new group that was not Jewish. And when the people saw the way the disciples lived, they say, you must follow that dude named Christ. So you have the party of Christ. You have those who follow Christ. And here's the most interesting one. It meant a business transaction. The EAN meant a business transaction. In other words, individuals would do business in the name, in a particular name. In this case, these disciples in Antioch, they are now doing all of their business, their family business, their money business. Literally, everything they do was centered around Jesus Christ. So a Christian was someone who actually says, my marriage is centered around Christ, my money is centered around Christ, my children are centered around Christ, the way I do singleness is centered around Christ. It was really an acknowledgement as Jesus in the center of their lives. So when someone, when, when, when Luke says they were first called Christians at Antioch in the middle of a wicked city, in the middle of a city where life was just ran rapid, these people were so distinct, these people were so in love with Jesus, these people were so connected and identified with Jesus, they centered their lives around Jesus in such a way that people who did not follow Jesus, people who were wicked said, Those are Christians. Tell them you'll get back to them. They were considered Christians. Individuals who followed Jesus. The content of their lives actually gave them the label. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't the label and then the content. It was how they lived their lives showed other people that they actually followed Christ and that's how they got the name Christian. That's where it came from. They lived in such a way, followed and identified with Jesus in such a way that they were called Christians. So let me ask, people look at your life. What would they call you? They call you hypocrite? What would they call you? What would they call me? Would they, when they look at your life, when they look at your lifestyle and my lifestyle, would unbelievers say, oh, you followed that guy named Christ? The way you love, the way you forgive, the way you talk to other people. 
They, they were called Christians for a reason. They were called Christians because when people looked at their lives, they were so different. They didn't cheat on tests in school. They didn't cheat uh, individuals in their business deals. They actually, um, when they hurt another person, they said, would you please forgive me? They, they actually lived and forgave and talked and, and looked and smelled like Christ. So the interesting thing is, is that our world right now, the U.S., says there are about 70, that when they do these surveys, about 75% of people in the U.S. call themselves Christians. Now, you would say, wow, that, that is really, really cool. 75% of people in the U.S. call themselves Christians until you recognize that it may not be as cool as we think. So Ed Stetzer says that out of the 75% of people that consider themselves Christians, there are three categories of Christians. Three categories of Christians, and here's the first category of Christian. The first category of Christians, 25% fall into this category, and that is cultural Christians. Everybody say cultural Christians. So cultural Christians can be defined this way. People who identify as Christian, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Here's why they call themselves Christians. Because they say, I'm not Muslim, I'm not Hindu, I'm not Jewish. So what else, what other box am I going to check on the survey other than Christian? So they check the box Christian on the survey, and they are Christians in name only and for reasons for the survey, not because they actually follow Jesus. So that's the first one, cultural Christians. Name only, it's called nominalism or nominal Christians. I'm a Christian just in name only. Here's a second category of Christian. It is congregational Christian. Everybody say congregational Christian. And a congregational Christian can be defined this way. Is an individual who is loosely connected to a church because of family, or they were baptized as a kid, they come to gatherings or services periodically, maybe on holidays, or maybe they served at a church for kind of volunteerism. They're loosely connected to a congregation, but still, they really don't have a personal commitment to Jesus. Here's the third category. Third category is convictional Christian. Everybody say convictional Christians. So convictional Christian is an individual who says, I am orienting my entire life around the teaching and around the life of Jesus. In Acts chapter 11, these are convictional Christians. Here's the interesting thing. Conviction... uh, uh, um, Uh, cultural and congregational Christians never existed in the first century. Never existed in the first century. 
there were only convictional Christians, people who say, I am centering my life around Jesus. They were so marked by Jesus, that's the reason they were persecuted. So 75% of people in the U.S. called themselves Christians. Only 25%. Only 25% out of that 75 fall into the category of this is my, Jesus is my life. I am centering my life around his teachings. I'm centering my life around his life. And what he tells me to do, that's what I choose to do. So there's good news and bad news. Let me give you the bad news first. Bad news is that the first two groups, cultural and congregational Christians, and culture and congregational Christianity is not true Christianity at all. That's the bad news. Here's the other bad news. That a lot of people, a lot of people in that, that 50%, they are not calling themselves Christians anymore because they, they're not following Jesus. Here's the good news. The people who actually call themselves Christians now are taking their faith more seriously. They are saying that I belong to Jesus and I will live out my life. I don't care who ridicules me. I don't care who talks about me. I am going to claim the name Christian because I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. Here's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Here's one of the saddest, it's not going to be on the screen, but here's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. This is Matthew from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, and this is Jesus getting at cultural and congregational Christianity. And this is what he says. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many who will say to me, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, evildoers. So Jesus is challenging uh, cultural and congregational Christians with this. He said, like, do you really follow me? So Mark Cuban, he's the, he's the owner of the, somebody might know, who is Mark Cuban? Mark Cuban is who? That's right, he's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, billionaire, and uh, uh, Mark Cuban offered this WGN radio host by the name of David Kap, uh, Kaplan, he offered him $50,000 to change his name to Dallas Maverick. To, to Dallas Maverick. He said, I'll give you $50,000 if you would change your name to Dallas Maverick. Kaplan said, no, I don't, I don't think so. He politely declined. So Mark Cuban sweetened the deal. He said, I'll give you $100,000 if you would change your name to Dallas Maverick for a year. Like, like literally, I see everybody, the wheels are turning in your mind. Like, whoa, would I change my name for $100,000? Listen to what Mr. Kaplan said. I love this. He said, um, so after doing um, a little bit of soul searching and being bombarded by emails from listeners who said I was crazy to turn the money down, 
Kaplan Health Firm and told Cuban no. And this is why he said no. I would be saying that I would do anything for money. And that bothers me. My name is my birthright. And I'd, I'd like to preserve my integrity and my credibility. Well, Christian is our birthright. The name Christian is our birthright. And over the years, we have sold our birthright for politics. We have sold our birthright for seats at the table. We have sold our birthright for money. We have sold our birthright for ideologies and movements. We have sold the name Christian for all kinds of things, and it has lost its power. Power and it's lost its influence. Now, when people hear the name Christian, they do not hear followers of Jesus. They do not hear we centered our lives around Jesus. They hear Democrat and Republican and Independent. They hear all kinds of things other than Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Savior. We have sold our name, we have sold our influence, and our influence has waned in the world, and when we sat now try to tell people about Jesus, they roll their eyes and they say, oh, you're one of those nasty individuals. You're one of those individuals that condemn everybody. Oh, you are a Christian. This is so different than what Acts says. They were first called Christians by unbelievers because of their love and because of their commitment and dedication to Jesus. But we have sold it like Esau for a porridge of stew, a bowl of stew. And so, so, so today is really an opportunity for us to reclaim the name, to reclaim the name Christian. When someone calls you a Christian, it ought to say, yes, it's not because I belong to any political party. It's because I belong to the one person whose name is Jesus, and he died for me, rose again, and I follow him. So the question that I have to ask myself and the question that I'm asking you, are you a cultural Christian? Are you a congregational Christian? Are you someone who says, I am now going to center my life around who Jesus is? Now, again, please hear, no condemnation, no judgment. We all fall and fail. But today is a good day to say, you know something? Man, I, 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 have, been, I, I have been living not like a Christian one who follows Jesus and centered their lives around Jesus. And, and maybe you're here today and you came with a friend or you came and you're watching online and you came with a friend or a family member and you're not someone who follows Jesus. I say today is a good day to say, Jesus, I will follow you. So the question is, how do you become a Christian? How do you become a Christian? Look at verse 21 of chapter 11. It's not because you go to church. It's not because you're connected to any kind of party, political or other party. Verse 21, this is what it says. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed 
turned to the Lord. So how do you become a Christian? How do you become someone who centers their lives around Jesus? How do you become a follower of Jesus? It's very simple. It's not because I am doing something. It's because something has already been done. Jesus is death on the cross. So how do you do it? Listen, I can't make you become a Christian. Nobody can make you become a Christian. Guess what? It is, it is the Holy Spirit who opens up our eyes to show our need for a Savior. Many people in our country today, it's like, I don't, like, why do I go to, I, I don't need to go to church, and I don't need, I don't, I don't need Jesus. So I can't make anybody see their need. I can't make you be hungry for Jesus. Only one person can do that, and that's God himself through the Holy Spirit saying, you need a, you need a Savior. Sometimes God opens our eyes through pain and suffering to show our need for God. Sometimes he, uh, he allows us to get down bad so that we might know our need for Jesus. Sometimes he allows us to have no answers at all, and we are trapped, and we don't know what the answer is, and he brings us to our knees to show our need for him. And then once we see our need for Jesus, the text says they believed. In other words, they placed all of their weight on Jesus, and they believed that he was God's answer for sin. And once they believed that he was God's answer for sin, they were going in this direction. They said, the text says they turned to the Lord. So they were, they were going this way. They were following after all that was in Antioch, and they heard... Um, the Christians in Antioch talk about Jesus, and they were intrigued. They say, you know something? I, this way is empty. This way doesn't work anymore. And so they pivoted, and they turned. This is what we call repentance. They turned and started walking with Jesus. They turned to the Lord. In other words, they committed their lives to Jesus. Not to a church service not to good deeds, they committed their lives to Jesus. Committed their lives. So, so what is it? How do you become a Christian? You believe in Jesus. And you turn to him. You give your lives and say, I surrender my life to Jesus. And there's maybe some people here today right now, you've never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus. I mean, you've gone to church, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And that's what these individuals did. They turned to Jesus. So a Christian, in short, is someone who has turned from their sin and turned to the Lord for his life and salvation. Individuals who said, I'm going to make Jesus the center of my life. So the question is, what, what is the evidence that these individuals were Christians? Look at verse 27 through 30. It says, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Verse 29 and 30. So the disciples determined everyone according to his own ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So one of the, one of the greatest signs, one of the most um, 
profound evidence is evidence is that you and I are Christians, that he is center in our lives, is sacrificial and selfless love. So a prophet said there was going to be a famine, and these Christians, these ones who were called Christians, these disciples, guess what they did? They didn't protect themselves. What they did, they took their money, they took their resources, and they said, There are other people who need us, and we're going to selflessly and sacrificially give to bless others. So one of the first signs is this idea our lives are sweet in the the sense of loving others and loving others well. A larger category is the moment you become a believer— then there should be evidences of good works. This is evidence in these, the Christians' lives. They were, uh, they, were, they were sharing their good works. They were telling people about Jesus. We don't do good works to be saved. We don't do good works to be Christians. We are Christians, and then out of that flows these good works. So let me, let me, see, if I can, let me see if I can illustrate this. Let me see if I can illustrate what it means for you and I to be Christians. How many of you like pineapples? Pineapples are pretty, a lot of health properties, very sweet. Pineapples. I love, I love pineapples. When I juice, I use pineapples, and it just gives it a really, really nice flavor. And, um, And so... Uh, so let me see if I can show how, how pineapples help us be the kinds of Christians that God wants us to be. Somebody said, those are not Pineapples. Whoa, what we got going on here? What? Whoa, it's not, it's not pineapples. Wow. So what, what, what's going on? It has the wrong label. <laughs> the label lie. It says pineapples. It, look, it says right here, sliced like, like pineapple slices, no sugar added in organic pineapple juice. That's what it says. But green beans. <laughs> Not a pineapple. I wonder if we carry the label and not have the contents. I wonder if we go around the world, our friends, and we call ourselves Christian, but we love like we're not. We gossip like we're not. 
I wonder if we carry the label Christian into our workplace. I wonder if we carry the, lab- the label Christian into school. I wonder if we carry the label Christian in our marriages. And we say, I'm a Christian. I'm a proud Christian. But when we look at our lives, our lives are filled with things that are opposite of Jesus being the center. So, so here's, here's, the, here's the challenge for all of us is that, that, that does the label match the content? And the label, Christian, should match the content of our identification with Christ. Our identification with Christ should actually support our identity as Christians. Our identification with Christ, we're so close to Christ, it should support how we live our lives. So the question I'm asking, you and me, what's inside? I'm not talking about perfection, but what's inside? Are you a Christian? Not because you go to church. but because Jesus is at the center of your heart. The world is looking at our labels. But I wonder if they're finding this. So, here's another one that doesn't have a label. Doesn't have a label. Notice, in the text, other people saw the content and gave them the label Christian. They didn't name themselves. So, here's the pineapples. And when you and I go out into the world, you ain't got to scream, I'm a Christian. You ain't got to scream, I'm, I'm this. Is that the way you and I live our lives, the way you and I love, the way you and I show up at the next meeting, the way you and I show up in our marriages, the way you and I show up with our children, people will say, Oh, you are, they'll let them give you the label of, wow, you belong to Jesus. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean that you and I don't say that we're followers of Jesus. Doesn't mean that. I think we ought to be, pr- we ought to be proud that we follow Jesus. But before we give ourselves all this big label, let's make sure that our lives are connected to Jesus and out of his life will flow the sweetness that will bless the world around us. So, if you have, um, if you're here today and you are not a Christian, you are not a follower of Jesus, our prayer team, elders will be down front to talk with you about what that means, but also if you just want someone to pray with you, they're down front to pray with you and to love on you, to let you know that you're not alone as you walk through what you're what you're dealing with. And so I'm going to ask them to come forward, and then I'm going to also ask us to stand as we close our time together as, um, as a congregation.
So here is one last thing before I pray. If you are a Christian follower of Jesus but never been baptized, never been baptized, you're going to have two opportunities to do that. On the 24th of September, we're going to have baptisms in the gathering. And then on the 27th at our worship night on Wednesday, September 27th, we will do baptisms then. If, you've, if you are a follower of Jesus and one of the most um, outward ways to show you identify with Jesus is through baptism. That's what the early Christians did. I follow Jesus, and I'm going to let everybody know that I follow Jesus by how? Through baptism. So if you've never been baptized before, but you want to be, um, there's a, that green card you had. Fill it out. Check the box. You can put it in the giving stations out there. We'll give you a call. Set it up. And on the 24th, we're going to have baptisms, and we're going to celebrate those who've made the decision to follow Jesus. All right, let me pray for us. So God, thank you for giving us this beautiful name, Christian. In fact, it, it was actually given by unbelievers, but we embrace it and we take it and we turn it um, to let people know that you, Jesus, are the one we follow. It's not because we belong to any kind of party, any kind of group. It's because we belong to you. So we pray that as we walk out into the world this week, that you would help us to love like Jesus loved, that you would help us to forgive like Jesus forgave, that you would help us to be humble like Jesus was. So when people look at our lives, they'll say, oh, those are those Christians because they belong to Jesus and he is their leader and they're centering their lives around him. So we bless you and honor you for who you are. Dismiss us with your blessing and your presence with us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.